0: Podcast. I'm here today with Sandy Kiesel. She works with Election Integrity Force. We had recently had Jason on. He brought Chris Kaela. I think I got that right. Um, and he was also working with Election Integrity Force and telling us very interesting things. We're going to bring them back on as well. But how are you doing today? Thank you so much for having me, Courtney. Thank you for being here. We are here at Mike Lindell's event. And uh, he's he said the first day was going to be about doing hope. Second day was going to be all about his plan. So uh, what what are your thoughts on the event so far? We're so excited to be here. And it's such an opportunity to network with the people
1: doing all of this great work in all of the states.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely. the real advantage. No, I, I totally agree. So tell me what you're doing with Election Integrity Force and uh, what you're finding. You're a, a process engineer. Did I get that right? I'm a chemical engineer. Chemical yes, engineer. Okay, and I do pro- have a Six
1: Sigma black belt, which is uh, oh. a... a, a process okay it's awesome. a it's a process and I'm trained yeah. in all of the different process things okay in Redax, cross domain analytical analysis awesome um fish yeah. diagram a3 you name it so
0: awesome well so what are you doing with election integrity force and uh so what are our, we finding so our big focus has
1: been on the qualified voter file mm-hmm. because we know that anybody who's trying to cheat in any way, they need to have a bloated qualified voter file to be able to have the, the people to use mm. to be able to cheat. And, you know, whether okay. you think there's cheating or whatever, that qualified voter file should be accurate. And right. so that's been our focus.
0: Okay, and what are you finding? Well, we, <laughs> we started um, originally,
1: what turned us that way was that we had about a million more voters in Michigan than we have driver's licenses.
0: And I'm not a mathematician, that seems a little
1: off. Well, especially in Michigan, we don't have any real public transportation. <laughs> right. Because the auto barons didn't want there to be public transportation. They wanted to sell cars. And right. so they bought up all the
0: public sure. transportation and shut most of it we down. We had that problem. In, I, I lived in California for a long time. We had the same problem in California. Right. That's why. And they started a, a really recently a train station, like a train uh, system. But before that, there was no public rail for the same reason. Right. Yet. And so even if you don't have a car necessarily in Michigan, you generally will still
1: have a driver's license. So to have that many more registered voters than driver's licenses didn't didn't quite make sense to us. Right. And then we started digging and we found things like the fact that the way you voted in the 2020 election changed. Yes, that's also very interesting. In the history of how you voted, instead, you know, you voted either in person or you voted absentee, or however Mm -hmm. you voted. But what we found was that when we looked at the history files, people's data was changing. So one version of the file that we got from FOIA information, so it's the government's data. In one version, it showed that people voted. In another version, it showed they didn't vote. In another version, it showed they voted absentee. In another version, it showed they voted in person. Wow. And we, over the history that we had, we found over a million records that had been altered.
0: A million? Yeah. Wow. What would the implications of a million be? For? Well,
1: it certainly means that they're at least not keeping accurate data. Sure. Right. And and what does that mean for what the counts were actually on the elections? Right. And, you know, for the 2020 election, we still don't really know who voted. And, and our laws say that it's only three years later, but yeah, <laughs> our law says that seven days after an election, all of the data needs to be entered into the computer system that's mm-hmm. what's in our law right but yet 22 months later we were still adding votes to the 2020 election and we still hadn't reached the number of votes that were used to certify the election
0: wow so what 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 are, what are you doing with this data so we've published several
1: reports about it okay and we we are working directly with a uh, boots-on-the-ground program where we're working with the clerks to try to help them clean the voter rolls. Okay. Because we have this thing called ERIC. I'm sure many of your Mm. viewers have heard of ERIC. Yeah. And um, we know that ERIC does a really great job of adding new people, whether Mm -hmm. they're citizens or not, but it doesn't really do a very good job of taking people back out of the rolls. Right. And so, and what we've learned with working with the clerks is they take people out Mm -hmm. and then they're finding that the people return back to the rolls. -hmm. After they've removed them,
0: wow. So even so, they even after they have removed them, because you were saying they're not so great at taking them out, but they have taken them out, and then they still seem to return. Right, Eric will. Eric doesn't take them out, so the clerks will go in and find out someone, for example,
1: is dead. Right, they'll take them out, and then all of a sudden they'll show back up. Wow, we have hundreds of people who are registered to vote, with their registration being nineteen hundred. And so that would make them 120. Yeah, exactly. Well, if they registered to vote in 1900, then that would make them like 141 years old because they had to be 18 to register to vote. Right. So, so you know, and they came out and said that that was clerical error after 2020. Right. But in 2022, we still had the same situation. And if it was clerical error in 2020 and nobody had brought it to their attention, okay, I could buy that. Mm Mm-hmm. We're not unreasonable people, but then you had two years to fix it. So, what happened, and why did it not get
0: fixed? And what's the what? What are the justification? No answer. Clerical error. Why would why? That's all we get. That's it. That's it. Wow. So, what does this mean for 2024? Well, it means that we've still got a terribly bloated
1: qualified voter file. Right. Um, you know, people who are dead, people who don't live in our state anymore, people who who don't exist, addresses that don't exist all in our qualified, all Too in our qualified bad. voter file. So that's why we're working so diligently with our boots on the ground program mm-hmm. where we have county leads working with volunteers in their county right. to go out and actually do the research on who's passed away, who's moved away, who's sold their house so that they don't own the house anymore so they can't be living there anymore. Right. You know, those types of things. And actually doing the research on computers and and going door to door if they need to, to try to help the clerks clean up those voter rolls and then giving the information to the clerks and working with them. Right. So what do we think is, are, has that whole process begun already? Or? Yes, we're okay. already well into and, it. In some of our areas, the clerks have been so happy with the work that the teams are doing, that they're actually deputizing the volunteers so that they can actually help get that right. done.
0: That's great. And what what are you seeing at
1: the success of that? Well, you know, time will tell whether or not it stays clean. right. That's that's the big concern. Right. Um, you know, through some of that work that we had done in the twenty twenty two election, we challenged about thirteen thousand voters before mm-hmm. the election day. Mm -hmm. So we were able to get the qualified voter file and those that asked for absentee ballots and then do the research on whether or not those people really lived in Michigan or whether they Mm -hmm. were really alive or if they existed. And we sent individual affidavits to clerks Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the state because we're very distributed in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And so we have over 1600 clerks. And so we sent emails um, with those individual affidavits to the clerks two days before the election. So that they would have time to do the verification process of whether or not what we found was legitimate Mm -hmm. so that we would hopefully prevent those illegitimate votes. Because they're not voters. They're just illegitimate registrations. Right. So we're not trying to take the vote away from anyone who has the right to vote. Sure. We're only trying to prevent... An illegitimate like registration from being used.
0: Like ghosts. Like ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ghosts and uh people who might be multiples or don't live in the state or correct. Right.
1: Correct. Right. And so that was a huge undertaking that the team did. I mean, to be able to take the qualified voter file, turn it around within a few days and get it to 1,600 clerks with individual affidavits for the people they needed to look at was a huge undertaking. Yeah, that is. So, Unfortunately, our Secretary of State keeps moving the goalpost. Okay. So we did it for the uh, primary, Mm -hmm. and the Secretary of State came back to us and said that it wasn't valid because we didn't have the requests on individual affidavits. So between the primary and the regular election, we worked really hard to make sure we could create all the individual affidavits, Mm -hmm. which think about 13,000 affidavits. That's insane, right? It's a lot. But, But we did the work to make sure that we could do the individual affidavits and we sent them to the clerks and the secretary of state's office issued instructions to the clerks to again, ignore it because they weren't submitted by a voter from that district okay from that precinct. However, that's not what our law says. Our laws say that you can have uh, uh, voter challenges mm-hmm. from anywhere in the state. And mm-hmm. so we applied to be certified as poll challengers in every county in the state wow. so that they couldn't use that as an excuse to not look at the data that we were providing them. But then they changed the goalpost again on us. And wh- wh- where is so it So they said that we had to have people from the individual precincts submitting the affidavit, and that the ballot had to be present at the time. But when we try to challenge on the day of the election with the same list, they say that we don't have the right at the challenging locations to challenge the validity of a voter. So they're basically boxing us completely out from ensuring that the voters that are voting are legitimate voters. Wow. And, of course, they talk about voter suppression, but yeah. what bigger suppression is there than from someone's vote who doesn't have the right to vote in the state of Michigan canceling out a legitimate voter's vote? I mean, that's
0: huge voter suppression. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, I mean, it's, it's a lot of things, but it's, it sounds fraudulent, <laughs> yes. essentially, what that is. Yeah. I know a lot of people are very hesitant to use that word. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it just—it's a word that
1: incites so much anger, mm-hmm. and I think in many ways, the people who aren't necessarily paying attention, it will turn them off. Mm-hmm. So we ta- try to talk about truth and transparency as yeah. opposed to f- fraudulent, and mm-hmm. let people decide whether or not they think it's fraudulent. Right. And I think when they look at our data, yeah, there's only one conclusion that they can make because when you have that many people voting. I mean, look at the story that just came out that you and Chris and Jason talked about with the absentee ballot applications in Muskegon. Yeah. I I don't know what you call that besides fraud. Yeah. But we'll let people make their own decision about addresses that don't exist and are in between addresses (laughs) that are real.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. It does seem like that is the only conclusion that could be made. Um, but yeah, people are really afraid to, you know. I guess yeah, because it's inflammatory and it's a, it makes people angry. Um, but hopefully, what, what do you feel about the sentiment of people, like, because I think that that impacts things, right? There's been such a media, uh, you know, con- controlled narrative around all of this election stuff, right? Yeah, and I think that that impacts how people respond to it. Which also impacts what's being done. Correct. Okay.
1: You know, I think the sentiment of people, I think there's more people that are starting to see it. Mm -hmm. And and when they look at COVID, for example, and what's come out about COVID now, and about how they're now recommending treating with ivermectin, and yet they wouldn't allow anybody to take ivermectin, and doctors were losing their licenses for prescribing ivermectin. And I know my doctor prescribed ivermectin for me when I had covid Mm-hmm. and I couldn't get it at the drugstore. Wow. Um, Kroger's refused to fill my prescription. And once they found out that my doctor was ordering me ivermectin for COVID, they refused to fill my z Then we went to Walgreens and they wanted to know why my ivermectin was being prescribed. And it, since I wouldn't answer why it was being prescribed, right. because I'd already answered that question and got told I couldn't have it. Right. Since I wouldn't answer that question, they refused to fill my prescription. So then we went to CVS and they were willing to fill it, but they needed to talk to my doctor and he had to reduce the amount that he ordered for me so that they would fill it. And so, but now we've come out and said that ivermectin is okay to treat. And so, you know, I don't know how people can look at that and not think that there's something a little strange going on.
0: Yeah, uh, more than a little. So you worked
1: in the pharmaceutical industry <laughs> as well. I did. I was okay. an executive vice president of biopharma research and development organization, wow. and we were focused on developing pharmaceuticals for heart failure.
0: Wow. And what uh, ha- What were your views about uh, the pharmaceutical industry at the time, and how have they changed over the past few
1: years? So, you know, I always, I actually left GM because I wanted to do a better job of helping people. hmm And I did a lot of medical consulting because I have the background and process that we talked about. Right. And I knew that the auto industry quality measures could be brought into the medical field and Mm -hmm. improve their quality. At that time, they were functioning at one sigma. And if you know what that means, it's one error in every 10 things you do. Right. And the auto industry functions at about six sigma, Mm -hmm. which is one error in a million. And I knew that those techniques could help the medical industry. So I spent a number of years consulting. And then one of our clients ended up hiring me as okay. their EVP of operations. And we were specifically working on drugs that targeted the a thing called the endothelial glycocalyx, which is the innermost lining of your blood vessels. Mm-hmm. And that's where those spike proteins attach. Wow! And so... Um, when I heard that you were going to mess with the endothelial glycocalyx with this disease, I knew that it was serious.
0: Yeah. What were your thoughts that the implications of that would be? Um, it's
1: it The endothelial glycocalyx is what helps your blood flow smoothly. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a doctor, so yeah. let me just say that clearly. Sure. I'm not a doctor. Sure. Um, but it helps your blood flow s- smoothly right. through your veins. It's where you house some of your things that help your blood not clot. Mm-hmm. And so when you start to um, have things that are a spike, think about a spike sitting in something that's supposed to make something flow. Right. You, know, you have all these hairs that are supposed to move the blood along and now you put a spike in there, what's going to happen? It's going to collect it's things. It's going to frame. And of course, your blood carries all your body's waste and all of those things, right? It feeds all your cells and takes away all the waste from all your cells. Yep. And so, you know, all of that catches on those spikes
0: and clots. And clots. So, it, it, what is collecting on the spikes in particular do you know well all there's all kinds of things in your right. blood right okay. And if
1: you think about putting a spike in something that's supposed to help something flow
0: right right yeah what are your thoughts on uh yeah i mean uh, the the spike protein is a uh, when you think about what they're talking about with the injections and that it's to turn your body into a spike protein factory, I mean, that, that's of their own words. That's of their own words. Yes, that yes. Is, that's what they claim that they're doing. Uh, it's interesting to think that something that is designed to block the blood flow that we need to export waste and also to transport nutrients, right? right. And we're finding that a lot of uh, people who are ill, Uh, a lot of it is nutrient deficiency. Right. Well, if your blood is not transporting those nutrients to the cells that it needs to, so why would you make tons of blockages? (laughs) Right now we're seeing all of these, uh, right? We're seeing all these, uh, blood samples and we're seeing very strange kind of what, do you have any thoughts on those? I know you're using a non-doctor, but they're, they're not, um, I've heard very mixed things, to be honest, from, from different people, but, I don't recall seeing clots like that. Right. Did you seem to look different? You know, if
1: you have a, if you have a heart failure, yeah, or AFib, your body will throw off blood clots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if your heart has remodeled and changed shape, which happens with 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 uh, things like heart failure, you're sure. going to throw off some clots. Right. But look at the myocarditis that came with the shot. Right, right. And that's a swelling and an injury to your heart. Yes. And I've seen a bunch of commercials for a new virus that they say can now cause heart heart stoppages. And now they're coming out with a vaccine for the virus. They did a whole bunch of commercials about the virus first. At least that's what I was seeing where I live in my part of the country. And now they're they've come out with a vaccine that you're supposed to talk to your doctor about getting the vaccine to protect you against that virus.
0: Wow. So what are your thoughts on the pharmaceutical industry and
1: what's going on? You know, when I started in the pharmaceutical industry, like I said, I got into it because I wanted to help people. Sure. And I really learned, um, quickly from the underwriters that we weren't allowed to say the word cure. Yep. We were allowed to say therapeutic and prophylactic. Yep. And that we had to be very clear that the therapeutic was something that you would have to take for the rest of your life because it didn't cure the disease. Mm-hmm. It maintained the disease. And when the underwriters heard that it maintained your disease and you had to take it for the rest of your life, then they were interested in talking to us. But if we ever said the word cure, they didn't want anything to do with it because you could get the money one time and that was it. But if you could do a maintenance drug that was therapeutic for the disease, then you could continue to make money for all of that time.
0: Yes. So I just interviewed uh, G. Edward Griffin and, you know, he uh I asked him about his red pill moment because <laughs> he was like the OG red pill guy, right? Yeah, And uh, he said it was uh, he had been asked to write a book on uh, do some research on cancer. And that's exactly what he discovered. He said he was shocked to learn that they don't have any interest in curing the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry because it's not profitable. Yeah, And it's so expensive to get a drug through the FDA approval. Um,
1: we were doing a triple combination drug and we were looking at over a billion dollars. Wow. And so you can't have private equity invest that kind of money. You pretty much have to go public. And the pharmaceutical industry will go, will, they'll follow small companies mm-hmm. and let them go public to get the money. Uh-huh. And they'll even help fund that or help those companies get funding. Um, but then mm-hmm. they'll watch them and then they'll bring them into the fold if the drug testing is going well. And just let them die on the vine outside of their main company if they don't do well, because then it doesn't impact their their stock price.
0: Wow! So you were talking about the, uh, like a, the a number of errors. You were talking about the the sigma. What was it? Six sigma. Six sigma. Six sigma. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you done any investigation to that into the election, the number of errors and well and- the the election
1: law says that yeah. by the Hava law says that you're allowed one error in 125,000 votes. That's okay. the level of error that the machines are allowed to have. Okay. So one sigma is one in 10. Right. Um, Six sigma is one in a million. Okay. The auto industry functions at about six sigma. Right. Because it can be a life and death situation. Think about sure. if your car just stops. You remember the key coming out and the car stopping on the freeway. Yeah, no, not critical. a good thing. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. the airline industry functions at about nine sigma because it's not very often a plane falls out of the air. But when it does, yeah. it's really bad. Yes, so I the mean, airline industry holds to about a nine sigma. And so nine level. sigma is how, how many uh, one in I don't know, but way over one in a million. Okay, right. <laughs> right. Um, and so and so you know you look at one in one hundred and twenty five, and that's our requirement. Okay. That's a terrible, that's a terrible level of performance for something as critical as our election. Sure. I would think that you would want our elections to at least be at Six Sigma of one in a million. Right. But even given the one in 125, we know from the recount that we did after the 2022 election that we're nowhere close to functioning at that level. Wow. So we're not even at the one in 125,000 level so we're way worse than that we're not as bad as as one sigma one in ten but right but we're terrible (laughs) terrible Terrible. The level of accuracy is very low it is we did so we recounted two proposals Mm -hmm. proposal two which basically in made it so that you didn't have to vote with an id in michigan made it so that no one in michigan can ever audit the election except the people who run the election um, and was a very bad proposal. And we recounted proposal three. And on proposal two, we found that 100% of the counties we tried to recount had a problem. Wow. So that included things like the ballots were tampered with. Um, mm-hmm. The containers were, the lock was tampered with. They were in illegal containers. The counts didn't match. The The count between the machine count and the hand count didn't match. All of those problems go into that 100% recountable issue. On the other proposal where we counted many more precincts, 560 precincts um, in 43 counties, we found 70.2% of the counties had a problem.
0: And it would seem like this is not very difficult to correct, right? Correct. (laughs) So what would be done to, uh, ensure that there were less errors and? So there should be, from my process background.
1: Yeah. Right? You classify processes as A, B, C or D processes. Right. These are obviously D processes. Yeah. So when you have a D process, you have things in place that can't make the process necessarily better. Uh So you have to put redundancies in place to get your quality level up. Right. What we always talk about in the quality world is you want irreversible corrective action. Mm-hmm. And the one that I always talk about as irreversible that everybody can relate to mm-hmm. is think about the plug in your house, okay? I'm old, so when I was a kid, you could put the plug into your house either way, right? Oh. The prongs were exactly the same size and you could plug in.
0: Wow. Okay. But now, now you have one have that's bigger and yeah. one that's smaller, so yeah. you
1: you can't. You put know which way to plug, go. It always has to go in the same the yes. same way, right? That's an irreversible corrective action because mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do to do it wrong anymore. Right. Right. And it's so you. It's foolproof. All, yeah. Yeah. It's foolproof. Yeah. And you always want that in a process. Sure. And if you can't do something like that. Yeah. Then you want things that that allow your performance to be better. Mm-hmm. So, for example, on our voting, when you go in and show ID. It's not perfect, Mm -hmm. but it's a better way to make sure that the person that's registered to vote is the person who's actually going to cast that vote.
0: Yes, right. Right. I mean, yeah, it's not 100%, uh, you know, correct, but it's much better than no idea, no no checks
1: and balances. Right. Some of the things that are used, for example, in the banking industry, um, you know, if your bank account is wrong, Right. You get very upset and your yeah. bank doesn't make an error very often. Right. And yet you're able to do banking online. Right. And they have a number of things to verify that you're really who you are, that you're the account owner, that that you're the person doing the work. And yeah. then if they do have an error, they have a whole bunch of things that they can do on their end sure. to make sure that it's correct. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But we're, instead of putting more things into our election system to make sure that they're right, we're taking them out. Right. We're taking out the verification. We're making it so you can vote and register to vote on the same day when there's no follow up to make sure that your address exists, to make sure that it's you're the person that you really live in the state. Right. You know, we're doing a lot of things that take away those redundancies. Why would you not let the machine count and then do a backup hand count and ensure that they match? Well, yeah. Or do a machine count and do a second machine count, you know? In different places, do a true do a true quality audit. I mean, even when in the auto industry, where you have, where you have a six sigma quality mm-hmm. reporting, you have the supplier checking their parts. Then you have a, 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 a random inspection coming into the plant, and then you have the operators checking the parts. Yeah, and then you have quality for each area of the plant, mm-hmm. and then every car goes through a quality audit at the end of the line and through what they call the care line. At least that's what they called it when I was in the industry. I don't know if they still call it that now. But why why would you not do that same kind of thing with our elections? Yeah, you would think that it's so critical to the country.
0: Yes. So, do you feel hopeful that any of these measures are going to be implemented? Um, I'm
1: hopeful that the data is really starting to come out. I'm hopeful with what came out with our recount. Yes. And I'm hopeful that there's going to be further steps taken on that. Okay. That's going to bring that forward. I'm hopeful because we have a bunch of engineers. You know, Michigan just happens to be a state where we have a lot of engineers. Interesting. Because of the auto industry. Right. Right. We have the largest resource of technical skills in the country outside of Silicon Valley. And so we're fortunate that we have a lot of engineering type <laughs> people that understand Quality levels and how to analyze data. Working on this, so that gives me a lot of hope because they're bringing forward the data.
0: Right. So, what do you think will happen with this data? I mean, again, we go back to uh, it looks like fraud to me, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I know some people are not convinced yet. Uh, but if so, this data comes forth. What? What? Are, what's the hope that that will? Well, we're hoping that we'll have do. some
1: lawsuits, and you know, they always okay. talk about there have been so many lawsuits. Yes. But those lawsuits have never been resulted in anything, so right. they must not be real. But the reality is that most of the lawsuits haven't been heard. Oh, you know, they've been yeah. determined that they were mute right, or that the person didn't have standing. Standing, yeah. Or, you know, and we all know about the Supreme Court case, right? Sure. And that was ruled that they didn't, didn't review the case. Right. And so, you know, we're hopeful that some of these cases, as the, as the data continues to pile up, that the cases will actually be heard and not just ruled out on other technicalities and and be looked at. And it's really about what happens in twenty twenty four. Yeah,
0: that, that's that's you know I'm how do we
1: protect twenty twenty four regardless of what you think of twenty twenty? How do we make sure? And and we're hopeful because we're doing um, training of mm-hmm. election poll challengers. Okay. And we now have the ability to get that absentee ballot roll and do the analysis about whether or not those are real people, real people voting from real addresses, et cetera. And so we're hopeful that with all the eyes on everything. Right. So so the ghosts
0: can't vote. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that's a huge concern. We only have 15 months. We only have 15 months. Yeah. So do we think that we can sure up so that there is some integrity and that checks are in place to... We sure. need the everybody,
1: and I mean everybody, to get involved. Yeah. And I know that there's been a hesitation of people to do that because of so many reasons. Yeah. You know, they didn't like the person that was being elected. They don't think their vote matters. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't think there's anything we can do. But really, it's all about who's Counting the election and who's watching. So we want people to volunteer to be poll workers. Mm-hmm. We want them to volunteer to be poll challengers. Right. Um, we want them to uh, tell their friends, mm-hmm. and we want them to uh, donate because that's what's yeah. going to enable us to be able to bring lawsuits forward to sure. to the courts so that we can get those. But really, it's about the eyeballs, the, the accountability being on the systems and holding everyone accountable. And
0: yeah, I I, I would just add to this. What I've really noticed, I've noticed my generation, the millennials, a lot of them, not all, but a lot of them are so blackpilled. They feel like the elections are so corrupt. They're, as you said, their vote doesn't matter. And a lot of them are really wanting to opt out altogether. And, uh, you know, I really... I sympathize greatly. (laughs) I really do, but I don't think the answer to corruption is to turn a blind eye. Um, and I love what you're talking about with, uh, you know, getting people engaged in being poll watchers in the process and being the one to hold uh, accountability because that's not, that's not just a blind faith in the system. That's actually saying, okay, I don't trust it. And so I'm going to step in and be the one to reinforce Correct. Reinforce the integrity. So I, I really encourage people, even if uh, they're not uh, feeling super trustful of the process, go verify it. And, you know, be engaged yeah. and see for yourself. And whatever does not look right, be w- the one to to hold some sort of accountability. Correct. Um, or at the very least to be raising some questions because regardless of the outcome, regardless of the fraud that may be there, if we don't have anybody, you know, you, you can say, well, the mob is running all of these uh, operation, but if you just say, oh, they're running these operations, we're just gonna let them, uh, you know, traffic children, for instance, and you just turn a blind eye when you know and you you can see firsthand what's going on, And then that doesn't help, right? Right. You need just to at least say something to somebody who might be able to do something or step in and do whatever you can do. Right. So, And to those that say they don't want to vote,
1: that's the worst thing that they can do because the people who want to do nefarious things can monitor who doesn't vote. Yeah. They can order that data from the state and they know who didn't vote this year, who didn't vote last year, who didn't vote the year before, who didn't vote the year before that. And they know those are low propensity voters and that if they use that person's name to vote as that person they're not likely as likely to get caught and so it's very important that everybody use their privilege to vote and actually go and vote yeah and it's also important that they vote and fill in all the little bubbles if they have a paper ballot or vote in all the races because if they don't someone else can do nefarious things with that ballot. Okay.
0: Which, uh, if someone were to use their name uh, uh, without their consent or knowledge, w- what would that be called? That would be called fraud. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Identity theft? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, the one way to mitigate against that is to be active. Right. Yeah. So, that they have less... Uh, right. And and if you want to vote in person
1: and you order your absentee ballot and you don't use your absentee ballot and you show up and they say, I'm sorry, you've already voted. You can say, well, how can that be? I have my absentee ballot right here. And so that person is doing identity theft and you can file a complaint
0: immediately that somebody stole your identity and they took your vote right and so and that's great and that's something very concrete direct that someone can do Correct. um you were talking about filling in all the little circles i know and i'm guilty of this as well especially at the local level there's so many uh different positions different candidates and it can be really difficult to get information a lot of people you know they get uh stymied and overwhelmed and they just they they want nothing to do with it uh but of course we you know, you can't have self-governance if people are not engaged in the process. So what uh, what would you advise people to be able to do due diligence and be able to vet?
1: So one of the things that I say about vetting yeah. is look at who the candidate was before they were running for election. Okay. Because when they're running for election, they'll say anything to get elected. Sure. <laughs> but if you look at who they were before that, zebras don't change their stripes. Right. And right. so it's, it's a really good thing to go in the way back time machine you know, look at their, look at what they've done in their life. Mm -hmm. What jobs have they had and how does the jobs that they've had align with what the requirements of the job they're trying to get elected to do? So go to, for example, their LinkedIn page okay, and look at their LinkedIn page rather than looking at their election website, because their LinkedIn page is going to tell you about their 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 level of skill and their experience and whether or not that aligns with the job and also their jobs will indicate what their beliefs are. Right. And so I think that's a really good place to look. Another place is in their social media, but don't look at their social media when they're running. Look at their social media from a while ago right. and what the kinds of things that they were saying in their social media, who their friends are, mm-hmm. um, you know, those types of, of things and what, you know, what their friends have done in mm-hmm. their past because that can help you really collect think, collect. Yeah. And then think about what your values are and where Mm -hmm. their, their values seem to align by the data that you got. And then you can also look to leaders in your community, you know, who, if you're involved in something that, that you would trust. Right. Um, you know, look to those trust leaders to help get you information. You know, Mm -hmm. show up at the county meeting, show up at the, the school board meeting and watch how it goes down and what's happening and make, make your own judgment. And I know time is just such a, it's a precious commodity. It is. And I know people are trying to raise kids and take care of parents and hold down jobs and put food on their table and, yeah. you know, take care of their house. And so I understand that time is really limited. Yeah. And that makes it difficult to do some of these things. But there are good people out there that can help, help you get through some navigate. of the, to navigate those things and, you know, I always tell people get engaged in something. Pick your thing. If it's right. if it's that you have an hour a month and you're going to attend the school board, great, do that. Right. If it's if it's an hour a, a week and you want to, you know, get more involved and go to county meetings or be the person who monitors the county meetings yeah. and just have a chain of your friends that think like you and mm-hmm. and monitor what's going on at those agendas and then there's a topic that comes up that you need to be at Right. Get the word out to everybody Right. and make sure that everybody knows that can be something that you can do even from your office at work or, right. you know, while you're home because you can't leave your children because you don't have a babysitter. You know, those are the kinds of things that, so pick your thing right, right? and get engaged in that yeah. and stay engaged in that. No matter what
0: happens, just stay, stay engaged in something. Right. Pick the thing you're passionate about. I, I think that's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have anything else? I'm so grateful for what you're doing. Do you have anything else you want to add? And of course, tell people where they can find you, where they can follow up with the election integrity force. They can go to electionintegrityforce.com.
1: Yeah. We, you know, we have all this data from the, uh, from the recount that we did and we Mm -hmm. want to be able to bring that data forward. So we need donations to be able to pay legal fees and all of those types of things and get the word out, because like everyone, we're being banned and blocked. I know all about and so, it. <laughs> and so we need to do the best we can to get sure. it out. And the only way you can get through that is to use the social media and boost those things. And that all takes money. I mean, all, just the data, we've been buying the data every month from the Secretary of State. Yeah, And we have to keep that data and we have to store it in multiple places, mm-hmm. because otherwise we can't ensure we have chain of custody that we won't get hacked. And so you know, we just purchased a bunch of computers and hard drives all so right. that we can store the data safely and put yeah. it in multiple locations so that we don't have a giant fire that comes through and burns up all our data.
0: Great. And where do they go to for election?
1: Electionintegrityforce.com. Great. And to donate, they can hit the donate page to read Correct. the articles that are out there. And there's going to be more on the recount. More is coming out on that.
0: Yes. I, I've been hearing and it's a uh, pretty damning. So yes. Definitely and more on you're... all the work that Chris did on Muskegon. Yeah. Is yeah. also coming out. Yes. We'll have a follow up on that. So hopefully, hopefully we'll, uh, sure things up for 2024. Cause what, what I guess we'll just close out with this. What do you think, uh, the hopes for America remaining Or where do you think we are now? Where do you think it will be if it goes either way? Yeah. Number one thing we have to do is get engaged and follow
1: this election Mm -hmm. and make sure that we have eyes on every single solitary thing that happens. And in order to do that, we have got to have people functioning at every level of society engaged in this. We've got to make sure that every day of early voting, there's people there. Everybody's looking at who's voting absentee everybody's trying to ask questions about what software is on the machines. I mean, how can we have machines that we're using to do the vote that how, are not certified? Let's, exactly. let's why do we need
0: machines at all? Exactly. Why do we need machines at all? And why do we need election month? Can we have election day? That's what the Constitution says. It Correct. says election day. It doesn't say election month, election, let's tally up and then see how much time we need to figure this out. It doesn't say election few months, you know, right.
1: it's election day. Right. And yeah. we just passed into Michigan's constitution nine days of early voting minimum okay minimum great so literally under the laws that they passed they could start voting today for 2024 because it says nine days
0: minimum wow election day election day yeah election day make make that a holiday people can take off work and go vote yeah yeah so so get involved thank you so much for watching thank you so much for being here and thank you so much for having
1: me And thank you for everything you're doing. Thank
0: you.